Welcome to It's Better Here, the official podcast of the Producers Co-op. Whether you are out in the yard, the field, the pasture, or the barn, we have everything you need. It's Better Here. Welcome to the show. And that's right. We're back here on episode two. My name is Jason Dyes alongside... Mandy Joe. Mandy Joe, and Jason on your radio. Well, not on your radio, <laughs> but it sounded good and it rhymed. And I thought Buddy might appreciate... Well, he doesn't because he's just asleep. No big deal. <laughs> hey, we had our first episode. Got a lot of great feedback on it. So tell us about that real quick. Yeah, we're super excited that we're continuing to do this. It's fun getting to reach out to all of our customers across the state. We even had a listener in Canada, so hello, Canada. <laughs> so we're glad to be here. Absolutely. Remember, you can hear the show anywhere in the world, up to and including the International Space Station, if you have Internet connection. <laughs> so that is pretty cool. Closer to Earth, though, here, I've noticed something that's a big deal, big part of the culture of the co-op stores, is that when you walk in and ask questions, the people here actually know what they're talking about. Being able to speak to an expert about all the great things that you do, that's a big part of y'all's business. Tell us about that. Yeah, I think that's one of our greatest assets here at the co-op is our customers. Um, All of our stores, all three locations and our mill, have really well-rounded employees that can offer guidance and advice on a broad range of things. And because they all have real-world experience, whether they're raising goats in their barn or they're going home and plowing a field or Farrowing baby pigs, we've got a guy who has an answer. Even if you're not talking to that guy, he'll find the guy for you or the girl a lot of times for you. So really proud of all those guys, and it really makes a difference in a small town that you can come and get advice directly from somebody. That's right, and, and I love that too because, you know, I'm kind of new to all of this myself, and it was great to walk around for a month being an expert on pigs <laughs> after last month's episode. All right, folks, now we're going to head out in the yard. All right. Hey, wanted to ask you, how about the dog days of summer? That wrapped up. How did that go? Dog days was awesome. We really enjoyed it here. It was a lot of fun, a lot of cool events and giveaways and things like that. Obviously, great to meet all of our customers' dogs. Um, <laughs> that was some of Buddy's favorite times. I really enjoyed watching the training group that went with Wagaholics. So they were here four weeks in a row, and to see their progress was really cool. So. I think it was super successful. Well, that's a great part. A lot of us do have pets out in the yard. People like me used to have grass out in the yard. (laughs) Unfortunately, it's been a very hot and dry summer, and parts of my yard look like hash browns. So I have been thinking about, in some of those areas, getting rid of the grass and putting in mulch or some stone. I guess what's euphemistically or literally referred to as xeriscaping. Tell us about that and how the co-op can help. Yeah, xeriscaping is a great option, um, especially in years like this. It's um, going to help with your water bill. Everything's going to be less water dependent. We for sure offer some mulch. Um, and regardless if you're xeriscaping or just doing beds, mulch is going to help with water retention and keeping that moisture in on your plants. So that's a great benefit. We offer weed barrier that you can put down if you're doing the xeriscaping and obviously weed control products. Another cool thing that we do, a lot of people um, stray away from xeriscaping because they feel like they lose color in their yard. We offer some really high quality pottery here in New Braunfels and Lavernia. Um, So that's all high glazed Vietnamese. It's frost resistant, fade resistant, it's built to last. So that's a great way to incorporate color in what is normally less colorful um, and using drought tolerant plants in that area as well is helpful. Yes, so when you've had a half a cup of rain in the summer, (laughs) your yard can still look great. Exactly. All right, folks, now it's time to head out in the field. 
yes, we got a little bit of rain. It's never enough. And so heat management is a big, big deal. Tell us about that. Right. So in this part of the world, the uh, majority of farmers are kind of wrapping up harvest in terms of corn and milo and kind of transitioning to um, fall and winter forage planting. Since we have got a few sprinkles here and there, it's making everybody a little bit more optimistic, which is nice. Um, so here at the co-op, we offer um, seed oats. So as we push through these hard, hot, dry months, um, that'll build some fall and winter forage for you. So you won't have to put out as much hay, hopefully, as we continue to get that rain in. And when I, like I said, I, I only use it as a reference because it's really the only herd that I see here. There's a herd of cattle right across the road. So if they're just eating the grazing out there, there's stuff that can be added to that diet, I guess, that helps them. Is that what you're talking about? Right. So obviously this time of year you're going to be adding some supplemental hay just because your ground forage is wiped out at this point. Another option there is adding range mill. Um, so we make a custom range mill here at the co-op. So that's going to add essential vitamins and minerals that will help them digest and absorb more of those minerals that they're getting out of the little bit of forage that they currently have access to. All right. And now it's time to go out in the prairie. All right, same thing. Heat management, the way you're managing that herd, it changes in late summer. How can y'all help? Again, it's going to come down to minerals and tubs because of the heat. Um, and a really cool thing that all these are offering now is a heat supplement that's added to the mineral and tub to help reduce heat stress. So those are going to include a prebiotic. And so that prebiotic encourages the cattle to eat smaller meals throughout the day instead of just one big meal. And it also will increase their water intake. And most of those also have a capsaicin in them. So that helps with circulation. It acts as a vasodilator, which just means it increases the blood flow, which helps pull heat from the core of the animal to the surface and helps evaporate that heat. I'm going to be so smart when we're <laughs> learning more about this stuff. I mean, I know, again, I, I, I don't mean to pick on the herd across the street, but it's the only one that I really see. But when you see one of those full-grown cattle, I mean, how much food do they eat every day? How much water do they require every day? It depends on the season and where they're at in their life stage in terms of um, if they're getting ready to calve or they've got a calf on them. But it's more than you could imagine. I mean, <laughs> gallons and gallons of water to survive. Um, and so it takes a lot of management. And is there any truth to the fact that cows lay down when it's going to rain? I mean, there's a lot of old wives' tales. You can read a lot of stuff in an old farmer's almanac. I don't know the science behind it, but that guess is just as good as yours. Uh, there's a far better way of knowing if it's going to rain, because whenever I wash my car, it rains, and usually just, just enough to make the car look mad. And then the other thing I've always wanted to ask somebody, because I am fascinated by this, you know, when you think about how many hamburgers are served just here in New Braunfels alone today, when you see a standard cow or beef out there that is used for that purpose, I mean, is there a way of knowing how many hamburgers you can get out of one? Yeah, so it kind of comes down to yield. So that's going to come whenever the animal is harvested based on their fat and muscle ratio. Depending on the size of an animal, anywhere from a 12 to 1400 pound animal will hang an 800 to 900 pound carcass. Wow, that is fascinating. Like I said, <laughs> I, I'm one of those guys that gets his groceries at the grocery store. I don't really know where it comes from. That's one of the things I was so excited about doing the podcast. And you all should know, Danny's telling me all this without notes. She just knows. So if you have questions about life out in the prairie, you need to come talk to Mandy Joe. Hey, let's head from the prairie and go out in the barn. 
same thing. We had such a great segment last time with Holly talking about the pigs, but the animals out in the barn, they're feeling the heat too. How do we help up here? Yeah, so this time of year, barns are starting to fill up, um, even with goats and sheep. Kids are starting to get those in for their projects. Um, we're getting ready to get show pig season underway. So a lot of that's going to come down to um, barn maintenance. So that'll be fans, mister systems, um, adding additional electrolytes to those smaller animals really makes a difference. And again, tubs and supplements. A lot of companies have geared that towards the show industry. So places like SureChamp, Vitafirm, things like that offer products that are really meant to help show animals get through this time of year. And another thing is obviously maintaining fresh water supply, if that means putting additional waterers out and things like that. And another thing to consider this time of year is people are getting uh, ready to do their summer calving for show steer prospects for next year's show season. So those guys are really getting ready to fight the heat with some babies on the ground. So again, um, keeping clippers on hand to get the hair off of them as needed. And then again, a good quality mineral 60 days post and pre-calving really helps that mom fight through this weather. I can't wait till we do the show on calving because I am fascinated by <laughs> that too. Our guest this month is Chuck Rial. He sits on the board of the co-op, and we were so happy to have a chance to talk to him. Hey, Chuck. You're on the board of the co-op. Tell us what the co-op does for the people who don't really know. Co-op has always traditionally been a place for people to get feed and ag products. It started probably 70, 80 years ago uh, as a wool and mohair uh, marketing station. A bunch of producers got together and tried to have some power in buying and, uh, you know, get some benefits from that. And uh, it's come a long way since then. Uh, we offer a lot of other things besides just ag products, but they offer trailers now. And uh, the good part about it is a member, uh, at the end of the year, you can get a rebate if uh, you've, you've been purchasing from them. So they do a lot of things for, for the producers in the community. Well, it has come a long way from mohair to doing a podcast. That's a pretty good arc, isn't it? That is correct. That is correct. <laughs> the first time I called you, you were actually taking care of the pigs. I could hear them in, in the background. I want right. to find out for people that maybe not know you personally, in addition to raising pigs, what are the things you do out on your land? Well, we, we farm. Uh, the hog business is our main business. We have about 130 sows. Most of them are registered purebred sows. Uh, we also have a commercial cow-calf herd, and we farm about 800 acres of crops uh, with the primary purpose of raising grain to feed to our livestock. Wow. I, I just find that fascinating. I think agriculture is one of the most important industries in the country that people simply don't know a lot about. Just this very morning, I had a simple egg and two slices of bacon. But I can't make my own bacon in my backyard. I, I need bet. to have somebody else doing that for me. And so one of the things that we want to do more of on this show is bring attention and awareness to clubs that fire the imagination of young people about farming and agriculture like Future Farmers of America, FFA, and 4-H, because they teach a lot more than agriculture, don't they? Oh, you bet. Uh, they've been around for many, many years, uh, right at 100 years for both organizations. Uh, the 4-H offers starting at a younger age from eight, eight years on up. Uh, FFA is in junior high and, and high school. But, uh, you know, many years ago, both organizations, particularly FFA, they talked about it being 
sows, plows, and cows, and it's it's a whole lot more than that today, particularly from the leadership side and the skill set that these young people learn. Uh, they offer, uh, of course, classroom education, but they do a lot of extracurricular uh, training where the young people have to learn how to speak, how to do certain skills, do things uh, from parliamentary procedure to wiring a, a building. Uh, so there's a lot of good things that both organizations have to offer to young people. And if somebody gets involved in one of these organizations, they don't have to live on a farm to get involved oh, no. in them, first of all. But they teach a lot more, like you said, than just agriculture. If you're interested in engineering, logistics, banking, finance, technology, all of that goes into the larger industry we euphemistically refer to as agriculture. Isn't that true? Oh, you bet. Uh, now, most of the, the educational topics that are involved in both organizations revolve around agriculture, but there are so many different related jobs in the industry uh, that without that in the supply chain, you've got these people uh, doing purchasing of, of uh, fertilizers, of seed, uh, packaging, marketing, sales, transportation, uh, there's so many things, options out there that are available to young people, and you don't have to live on a farm uh, to be in either organization. And in most of our urban areas, there's hardly no young people that live on a farm. Uh, most of them have school farms where their kids, if they want to have a livestock project or a production project, they can. But uh, they they don't have to do those things. There's so many other things they can get involved with. I want to go back to that first question I asked you when I called you and you were taking care of your pigs. And I've always wondered this, for people that raise these animals and you send them off to get processed, obviously, for people like me that want to have bacon in the morning, has there ever been a situation where you formed an attachment to one of your animals where you just couldn't let them go? No, we, no, we, we take good care of our animals and we, we have a lot of compassion and try to take good care of them. I've always said if you take care of them, they'll take care of you. Uh, you know, that's that's one of the sidebars on these young people, particularly in 4-HFFA, that have one single animal and they do form an attachment. Uh, but in the grand scheme of things, uh, uh, they're part of our food process and you have to accept that. Uh, they pro provide a really high source of nutrition and protein that we need in our diets and uh, uh, no, we've never had to worry about that, but you do try to take care of them, and, and they are, they're part of what we do. Well, since you mentioned that you also farm cattle, if you were recommending someone to have the best cut of steak, what would you say it is? Well, that's, that's, that'd be uh, open for debate depending on who, who you're talking to. <laughs> Obviously, bacon is extremely popular these days. Uh, fresh belly is extremely popular. That's kind of a new thing. Uh, obviously, uh, center-cut pork chops, boneless loin, they're all very, very high demand. But uh, there, there's a lot of good nutrition there and a lot of good uh, flavor uh, from a lot of these different products. Well, finally, first of all, I want to thank you so much for taking some time to join us on the It's Better Here podcast. You mentioned you're farming 800 acres. It's been a tough year with the drought, and uh, I, hope things, I hope things get better. We started the podcast, and it started to rain a little bit. So who knows? Maybe this, maybe this co-op podcast is going to be good for everybody. Let, let, let's hope so. It's been a really, really tough year. We've been here before, but it doesn't make it any easier. And 
with the extreme high cost of inputs this year, it just compounded the problem. But uh, it will rain again, and things will get better again. They always do. Hey, Chuck, thank you so very kindly for joining us. I really enjoyed talking to you. Sure, you bet. Have a good day. Hey, folks, we want to remind you that whether you live in the city, out in the country, and everywhere in between, it's better here. Thank you so much for listening to It's Better Here, the official podcast of the Producers Co-op. On behalf of Mandy, Joe, and everyone at the Co-op, my name is Jason Dyes. Until next month, take care. Prairie sky is wide and high, deep in the heart.